Thank you, Dan. Those words uh, from Isaiah 61 sure sound familiar. Anybody else know where else in Scripture we might be able to find those words? Luke 4. Uh, if you uh, took me up on my uh, Christmas Eve invitation to read the rest of the Gospel of Luke, you'll see that in Luke 4, when uh, Jesus, uh, as a grown man now, uh, returns to his hometown of, Syn- of uh, Nazareth, he goes into the synagogue, and, and will they hand him the scroll from Isaiah, and he reads that very text. Let's turn in our Bibles, if we can, to Luke 4, verses 14 to 22, to hear this powerful story. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today... This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Notice in Luke 4 verse 14 that it's the, Jesus comes back to Galilee in the spirit, in the power of the spirit we read. If you continue to read, if you read the first part of Luke 4, you'll see that actually it was the Holy Spirit who had led Jesus out into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. And if you remember, every time that Jesus is tempted by Satan, Jesus rebuffs Satan's temptations by, by quoting from the book of, book of Deuteronomy words that the Holy Spirit had helped um, inspire Moses to write. In fact, if you go to Luke 3, you'll read how the Holy Spirit shows up at Jesus' baptism. In Luke 3, verses 21 to 22, we read this. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Beginning with Jesus' baptism in Luke 3, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, and and empowered by the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, Jesus is able to resist the temptations of Satan by quoting the scriptures that the Holy Spirit inspired. And then the Holy Spirit, in power, leads Jesus into his hometown of Nazareth, to his synagogue, where he begins to read from the book of Isaiah, and he begins to preach with such boldness that everyone is wondering, who, where does he get this power? Isn't this Joseph's son? Yes, clearly the Holy Spirit played a significant role in Jesus' life and ministry. But what's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives today? To find out, I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles, your iPhones, or Androids, or whatever you use, to John chapter 15, beginning with verse 26. Uh, We will begin a new sermon series on the role of the Holy Spirit and what it means to walk by the Spirit. But to know what the Holy Spirit Uh, does for us and how we walk with him. First, we need to know who he is. So to find out who the Holy Spirit is and what role he plays in our lives today, please turn to John 15, verse 26. 
But before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy word. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you reminded John of all that Jesus said and did, so that you inspired him to put pen to parchment that we might have your written word today. Oh God, as we read these words, we pray that by your spirit you would speak to us that we might hear from you, that our eyes might be opened and our hearts might be transformed at the reading and the preaching of your holy word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray and all God's people said, amen. John at chapter 15, beginning with verse 26, listen to God's word. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I want to pause there just for a moment. Uh, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit here as the helper. Uh, and, and the Greek word there is parakletos, the parakletos. Now, in order to understand what Jesus is saying here, we kind of need to put this text within its greater context. Jesus has been having a conversation with his disciples really back since John 13 when he was in the upper room and Jesus had dramatically washed the disciples' feet in the upper room. He had served the Lord's Supper and he told his disciples that one of them was going to betray him. Of course, the disciples are worried, going, well, who is it, Lord? Is it I? Is it I? And, and Jesus says, the one whom I give this morsel of bread to is the one who will betray me. And then we read that Jesus hands the bread to Judas. Now, if I'd have been Judas, I'd have said, hey, I'm full. Could you pass that on to uh, James or somebody else, right? But, but Judas takes the bread, and we read that Satan, this, uh, Satan comes upon uh, Judas, and Judas leaves the room to go betray Jesus. Now Jesus is with his remaining 11 disciples and he begins to tell them that he's going to have to leave them for a time and, and that they will miss him. And he can tell that they're troubled by this. And so in order to offer a word of comfort, Jesus uh, says in John 14, verses 16 to 17, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. There's that Greek word again, helper, parakletos, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now that Greek word parakletos, uh, which has been translated as helper in the ESV, literally if you break the word down, it means one who is called to come alongside. Because the word is actually a collection of two words. Para means alongside. We get the English word parallel, right, from para. Para, parakletos. Kletos means to be called. So the Holy Spirit is one who's been called to come alongside us to help us. In fact, specifically to encourage us. Uh, the Greek word for parakleo means to encourage. It's related to parakletos. And, and, and the parakletos, or the paraclete, is this, this helper who's come alongside to encourage us, to, to give us counsel. In fact, this Greek word parakletos would often be used to talk about how someone was in legal trouble and how a friend would come along to offer counsel or direction or, or be an advocate for this friend who was in trouble. In fact, it's real interesting, Eugene Peterson, who's a Presbyterian minister, when he was translating the Bible into contemporary English uh, with the message, which is a great uh, translation of the Bible, he, he decides to describe and to, to uh, um, translate the word parakletos as friend, friend. And uh, it's interesting, uh, Dale Bruner, who's a New Testament scholar himself, he affirms this translation of parakletos as friend because he points out, 
Well, that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's a friend and that, because the Holy Spirit does what a friend would do. A good friend will help you in times of need. A good friend will encourage you. A good friend will offer counsel and direction. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for the disciples and for all of us today. Because we know that in Mark 13, Jesus tells his disciples, you know, before he is arrested and betrayed, he said, you're, you're going to be brought before kings and councils for my name's sake. But don't worry about what you're going to have to say because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. The Holy Spirit will be your counsel. He'll be your advocate. He'll be your encourager. In fact, the Geneva study, uh, the Geneva Bible, which was translated around the Reformation time, translates Paracletos as comforter because the Holy Spirit is one who comforts us in times of trouble. The Holy Spirit is one who gives us direction, gives us encouragement, offers us uh, help when we need it. How does the Holy Spirit do that exactly? This third person of the Trinity. For God the Father, God the Son has now spent his Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, to lead us, to help us, to guide us. How does he do that exactly? Let's keep reading our text. Back again to John 16. I've said all these things, Jesus said to you, to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the parakletos, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will, com he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here ends the reading of God's word as the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to look again at uh, verse 13 of our text here in uh, John 16. And I actually want to translate it as a native West Texan from Midland, Texas. I grew up with Cody Welch there. Uh, you know, as a native West Texan, I want, to, I want to translate this the way we would translate this text. So let me uh, indulge me if you can. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide y'all, you all, all of us, y'all, into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to y'all, you all, all of us, the truth, the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you all, y'all, all of us. Now, I do that specifically because, well, it is in the second person plural, and that's how we say it, y'all, you all. Jesus is talking not just to Peter, and he's not just talking to John. He's talking to a group of disciples. And the truth is that the Holy Spirit speaks to a community, speaks through a community. 
It's true, the Holy Spirit dwells within each one of us, and the Holy Spirit can speak to us, but if we want to know for sure if it's the Holy Spirit who's speaking to us, we should confirm it with the rest of the community, because the Holy Spirit dwells within each one of us. And if the Holy Spirit has, has nudged me to do something, well, well, I know it's the Holy Spirit, one, if it's consistent with the Word of God, which the Holy Spirit inspired, and we're going to talk about that next week, how exactly that happened. But also, I, I will know that it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me because the body of Christ, others who have the Holy Spirit, will also confirm that. Uh, for instance, um, I remember about 20 years ago, actually, uh, this, this year, uh, I was feeling the nudge or the sense of call to go into occupational ministry, become a, a minister of word and sacrament in the Presbyterian Church. Now, this sense of call did not originate with me. It actually began back in high school when I was in Midland, the first Presbyterian Church of Midland there, and we had our youth Sunday. In fact, one of the reasons I'm committed to always having a youth Sunday is because I want us to always, as a church, to celebrate what God has been doing in the life of our youth, but also we never know who might have the gift of teaching or preaching among our young people. Well, after what I considered drawing the short straw back in Midland because I was asked to give the senior sermon, and the, the fact is that, that uh, Youth Sunday was the day after prom for me, and that was the last thing I wanted to do as a senior because I had prom, you know, right? Saturday night. I didn't want to have to show up and preach on Sunday morning, but uh, my youth uh, director was like, oh, your dad's a drama director. You've done a lot of acting. You're not afraid to talk in front of people. You should do it. I'm like, oh, man. So I did it reluctantly. Well, after reluctantly preaching this sermon, I had several members come up to me and say, man, you have a gift for preaching. One day, God's going to call you to be a preacher. No, I don't think so. I didn't know. I didn't think God was, was going to do it. I, th- I think God wants me to finance the gospel, and so I majored in finance and economics, right? Help fund the gospel. I worked for an accounting firm after college, but uh, while I was in uh, Dallas, I joined Highland Park Presbyterian Church, and I took a spiritual gift survey, and, and on my survey, it came up that teaching and preaching were some of my better spiritual gifts. And so in trying to utilize those gifts, I started to, to teach Sunday school, and I also began to lead a Bible study with a, a group of SMU students. In fact, Murray would be pleased to know that SMU students still read the Bible. And I had this group of students uh, studying uh, the whole Bible. In fact, it was called Disciple. You go through 70% of the Bible in uh, 32 weeks. It's a lot of reading. And so I was teaching this Bible study. Well, I had a very distinct conversation with the singles pastor at uh, Highland Park Prez, And he said, Howard, I know you have a real gift for preaching and teaching. Have you ever thought about becoming a preacher? I said, no, I think I want to finance the gospel, not preach the gospel. And he said, well, why don't you just pray about it, right? Just see what the Holy Spirit tells you. I thought, well, that can't hurt, right? Pray about it. So literally the next morning, I woke up at my apartment in Dallas, and I was preparing my Bible study as I would do do normally. Uh, And we were in 1 Corinthians, as it so happens. And I had prayed. I said, God, would you give me a sign? You know, Max seems to think that I should become a preacher. Others have said that as well. If you want me to be a preacher, give me a sign. Otherwise, I'm headed to law school. I've already taken the LSAT, Lord. I think I can get in. You know, so I was kind of laying it out like I really don't want to do this. And, and, and so I prayed that prayer. Well, as I was reading through 1 Corinthians, which I've read many times before, I was reading 1 Corinthians, and I read 1 Corinthians nine sixteen. And back then I was reading the New King James Version of the Bible. And in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, Paul writes, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. I just asked God, if you want me to go to seminary and become a preacher, give me a sign. Otherwise, I'm headed to law school. And he's telling me, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. 
Well, I was stunned by that, and I thought, well, I'm going to throw out Gideon's fleece. And so I applied to what I believed to be at the time the best Presbyterian seminary, Princeton Seminary. And I said, God, if you can get me into Princeton, I'll go. Otherwise, I'm headed to law school, right? Well, I didn't know that Princeton had a billion-dollar endowment, uh, and so as it happened, I not only got in, but I, I was able to get a scholarship to pay for all my tuition, which was truly the Lord laying out the road. But in the Presbyterian church, if you want to become a minister, it's not, it can't just be your idea because it's a communal discernment process. In fact, once you feel that sense of call, you actually have to go before your session of your church, which is the elder body, the leadership body, and you have to share why you believe God may be calling you to ministry. And then the session has to endorse you. And then you have to go before your presbytery, which is a collection of Presbyterian churches in a region. Ours, our region happens to be the whole state of Texas. And you go before that region, and, and then they examine you, right? And you've got to go to seminary. You've got to take a bunch of exams. They've got to do a psychological exam to make sure you're not crazy. Although you've got to be a little crazy for Jesus, right, to go into ministry. But anyway, you've you got to do all this stuff. But it's a communal process. My point is, is that if you want to hear the Holy Spirit and make sure that it's the Holy Spirit, don't listen to God in isolation. Share what you believe God's calling you to do by first measuring it with his word that he has inspired, but then also talk to other saints, other members of the body of Christ, and share what you believe the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. For we know that the Holy Spirit dwells within each one of us. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who helps move us to faith. It's the Holy Spirit who helps open our eyes to who Jesus is. It's the Holy Spirit who helps quicken our hearts so that we might open our hearts to who Jesus is with God's amazing love. It's the Holy Spirit is always leading us, guiding us in truth, for he is the spirit of truth who ultimately points to Jesus, who is the truth. Notice in John 16, verse 13, we read, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, into all the truth. Now, in light of what Jesus has been saying from John 13 to John 16, we know that ultimately the Holy Spirit's gonna lead us to Jesus because Jesus is the truth. For Jesus says in John 14, verse six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In fact, the way that the Holy Spirit leads us uh, to the truth is found in John 14, verses 25 to 26, when Jesus says to his disciples, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the paraclete, the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. One of the principal roles of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of all that Jesus has said to us. The Holy Spirit reminds us that Jesus tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the words of Jesus in John 15 that there is no greater love than this than a man who is willing to die for his friends. Yes, the Holy Spirit reminds us that as Jesus tells us that we are called to be servants for in Mark 10 verse 45, Jesus says the Son of Man came not to this earth not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Is the Holy Spirit will remind us that Jesus is the good shepherd, as he says in John 10, and none of us can be taken out of his hand, that he lays down his life for his sheep so that we might be saved. 
Yes, the Holy Spirit will remind us in the midst of stressful times that Jesus is the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in him will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in him will never die. Yes, the Holy Spirit reminds us of the words of Jesus that he says right before he ascends to heaven, his final words in the Gospel of Matthew, that he will be with us to the very end of the age. And these, good, these are good words worth remembering and also worth sharing. Amen? Notice in our text, in John 15, verse 27, Jesus says to his disciples, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus says the the Holy Spirit's gonna bear witness of me and he's gonna remind you of all I've said and you will bear witness. Now the Greek word for witness there is martyreo, martyreo. We get the English word martyr from martyreo. History tells us that of the 11 men who are listening to Jesus in John 15 and 16, 10 of these men all die as martyrs for their faith. The only one who doesn't die as a martyr for his faith is John, who dies in prison in Patmos, on the island of Patmos. Why were these 10 men willing to die as martyrs for their faith in Jesus? It's because they knew the truth. They knew Jesus. And the Holy Spirit had been reminding them time and time again of all that, all that Jesus had said to them. In fact, we know that before John puts pen to paper to write his gospel, the Holy Spirit reminded him. It's true that John wrote his gospel many years after Jesus had died and rose again. They lived in a, in a, in a culture where most word was spoken and shared. But when they finally took time to write down all that Jesus said and did, when, when Peter consulted Mark on how to write his gospel, and Matthew wrote his gospel, and, and Luke investigated to find out what was really true, and, and he wrote his gospel. And when John wrote his gospel, it was the Holy Spirit who reminded them of all that Jesus had said. And that truth, that truth of God's love, the the truth of of God's power, and the truth of of God's willingness to suffer and die for us, and then conquer both sin and death with his resurrection on the third day, which Jesus said would happen. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be crucified, but don't worry, on the third day, I will rise again. When it happened, their eyes were open, and they remembered, yes, this is what Jesus said would happen. This truth that the Holy Spirit reminded them, that this truth that transformed their lives, ultimately was given to them by the Holy Spirit. And it compelled them, moved them to share it with others. May this true, the same be said of us. As we listen to the Holy Spirit speak, not only by reading his word individually, but also corporately together, that we might be reminded of what Jesus said and we might be moved to share those words with others. You know, I began the message on John 16 by pointing out that, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, says, y'all, you all, all y'all, he's going to lead you in the truth, everybody here, that all of us who believe in Jesus have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the way that we really are shaped and transformed by the Holy Spirit is by, one, remembering the words that Jesus spoke by turning to his word that we find in Scripture, but not simply reading those words in isolation, but reading those words with other members of the body of Christ together. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, uh, over Christmas break, it was kind of a short break for me because I had to work Christmas Eve, part of the job, but anyway, I, I found this book, Forgotten God, God by Francis Chan, Forgotten God by Francis Chan. It's a great little book, and uh, he opens his book 
in the introduction on page 15. In fact, if you've never read this book, Forgotten God, I would encourage you to read it. Uh, get a copy of it. We have a copy in the library, I know. And we're gonna be talking about the Holy Spirit for the next six weeks. But I would encourage you uh, to go and read it. But in his introduction, the reason he calls the book Forgotten God, he writes this. From my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes, forgotten. While no evangelical would deny his existence, I'm willing to bet there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they have experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year. When was the last time you had an experience of the Holy Spirit? Hopefully you're having one right now. Hopefully you're having one right now because Jesus says in Matthew 18, when two or more are gathered together in his name, he's there. And when we gather to, together as one body in Christ's name and the Holy Spirit in me connects with the Holy Spirit in you and we, we read God's word together, the Holy Spirit speaks and ultimately we are transformed. And if you go out in the Great Hall, you're gonna find we have a little brochure and next Sunday, all of our Sunday school classes will relaunch. We'll ask people to wear masks and maintain social distance for safety purposes, but we plan to relaunch all of our Sunday school classes next Sunday. But also, we're gonna be having our Wednesday night classes beginning January 27th. This is a little brochure that tells you about all those great different uh, Sunday school classes that we offer, all the great Wednesday night classes. In fact, uh, Dan and David Mullen and I are gonna be teaching on the parables of Jesus uh, in 304 uh, starting January 27th. Love for you to join us to be a part of that. But also our men's Bible studies and our women's Bible studies are going to be launching this month. And if you're not a part of a a Bible study, a community, some kind of small group where you can gather with other believers to hear the Holy Spirit speak clearly through his word and through the conversation that the Holy Spirit leads, we need to find that. Because the only way that can really be a faithful witness of what the Holy Spirit is saying and what, what Jesus has said to us already is if we spend time remembering, reading, meditating on all that he said. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit will begin to transform us. And like the disciples, we will become bold witnesses to the good news of God's love. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you are the God who is always with us. That you've sent your Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us in all truth. That he now dwells within each one of us who call upon your name. So God, I pray that we might turn to your word which you inspired that we might read the words of Jesus, that we might be transformed by the words of Jesus, that we might recall the words of Jesus and so be able to live them out, but also that we might be bold witnesses of your great love. Oh God, we thank you, Lord, for your love. Guide us as we seek to do your will here on earth as it is in heaven. In your son's name we pray and all God's people said, amen.